0: you just watching um, that there, and um, because I think when you watch it for the first time, you're just getting used to the characters and all the rest of it. I was really struck actually by the poignancy of that young woman at the centre of it all, with a missing mother actually, and a mystery at the heart of that that's, that's still affecting her as a young woman. So, um, there's so much to, to ask you about, but you know, Val McDermott and Amelia Wilmore all over this. So, so, tell us about how this, this came to be. So, an original
1: idea from you uh, Val? Yeah i I spent a lot of time over the years getting to know forensic scientists and picking their brains basically and and, and uh, extracting their work to put into my novels um, and one of the things that they all have said to me over the years is how annoyed they get by the way they're portrayed on screen uh, by things like CSI and Silent Witness and I, I, I was amazed that portrayed in this way because actually the real job that they do is so amazing. I mean there's lots of wow moments in the things they've told me over the years. And and I thought it would be interesting to, to pitch a series where you actually dealt with how it really is and showed forensic science for the amazing miracle and, 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 and extraordinary thing that it is. And so we, we, we talked about that and uh, I, had, I had worked on the MOOC, uh, a MOOC with Dundee, and I thought that that would be a good frame as well for for this, so you know, I I suggested the idea, pitched the idea, and then we ran with it. And then Amelia just put all the flesh on the bones. <laughs> yeah, we've noticed this recurring sort of metaphorical <laughs> theme with you,
0: Val McDermid, and you've literally written the book, the forensics book, the non-fiction book, yeah. uh, and worked a lot with your great mate, Professor Sue Dame. I usually get the wrong way round. Uh, uh, Sue Black. Yeah. Um, so Sue
1: Black and in, in Evening McNeid at Dundee Rose Leverhulme Centre there. I do actually have a mortuary
0: named after me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just brilliant. Um, so, that, so there you go, set up um, Amelia, um, what Val was saying there about you know, having a sort of non-CSI approach. And I have to admit I've not really delved into those TV programs. I know that they're massively popular and also it's not my thing. So I was really glad that I kind of had to watch this. And I, I immediately thought, especially with the course of the first episode, the whole set up of that lab within the university and the way that you establish the relationships. This is what we expect of you as a writer, I think, in a, of red in terms of how women are portrayed on screen, which is so authentic and so unsensationalized and women being supportive in their personal lives and within the workplace, not all the time, because they're, they're not, you know, they're human, they're human. Um, but uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that then for you, you know, presenting this, because I think there will be seriously a spike in the number of young women who want to apply to study forensics after this. Well,
2: that would be amazing. (laughs) Um, So Val's idea set up the MOOC, that place in that department of the university, which is a teaching place. The forensic scientists also do casework. They also work in the court. And they also do their own research. So they are people doing tons of things. So there was that to set up and she set up this young woman, Emma, who comes with this story of a mother who was murdered and is unsolved. So then you just start to think well, right, you're 23, your mother died when you were seven. How's that? What would that do to you? And you're 23, you're coming of age, you can ask people questions you probably couldn't ask them before, you're a young adult. And so everything in the skeleton of what Val gave, you got the MOOC you've got the unsolved murder, you've got the women and what they do and where they do it. And then you just start to build the people and work out who's gonna mix together all the relationships Emma's got because she's got a stepdad, a dad, uh, an aunt, old friends. She's got a Dundee world she hasn't visited. She's got her Manchester world. So before you immediately start to people it, and then you think who's got the secrets, who knows what. So it just, you just walk it along and it yeah. starts I, I, to go.
0: I'm just wondering how long that takes because that sounds quite complex. A lot of characters. Are you somebody with a, you know, the giant whiteboard in <laughs> uh, the office or at home? I
2: don't have a whiteboard, but I have a lot of post um, uh, <laughs> index cards. Uh, it, it does take a long time. There are certain things that you get quickly, and then we've talked about this. You want to know enough of it, but not all of it before you start. So, you know, don't set off. So with so little that you're gonna get lost and freaked out. Yeah. But equally, don't worry that you haven't got everything sorted out because you won't have it sorted out. And you get a lot of ideas along the way. And then I had all this help, I mean, a million help, a million hours of help from the scientists and the professors and I went to Dundee. So I inherited not just Val's um, idea, but Val's relationships yeah. with these scientists. And they had to explain to me, you know, how you would do that to a toaster. And then you have to get into their mindset, which is they won't speculate. You yes. can't get them, and quite right. And you know, you have you have this um, to play. And actually, when you get behind it, it's fun. Play, you should talk about what it's like <laughs> to play a woman who won't speculate
0: <laughs> yeah because I thought I was utterly struck by that Laura your character because again it's that unsens- sensationalist thing but it makes it all the more compelling because aren't the facts much more interesting it's all evidence based tell us a little bit about getting into her character
2: well uh, the, there were so many wait, Well, first of all I read Forensics by Val McDermott <laughs> um, and uh, All That Remains by Sue Black and then I watched about a as everything that um, all the YouTube videos of me did, even down to hours of the Grenfell Tower Inquiry, you know, because Professor Sarah Gordon's not just a, a, for, a ke- professor of forensic chemistry, but she's also a fire expert, in addition to being the director of CIFA. Um, so I, I, was, I had to get into all the fire, and I was like, videos of flaming combustion and the fire tetrahedron and, and all these chemistry videos and I was like, I have no idea, I don't understand any <laughs> <the video laughs> of this, um, but which um, was really interesting, we got to go to this lab in Preston, they had all these like mock-up burned out remains and, and crime scenes and they were really into it and then uh, we got quite into it, and we got to ask all these questions about how you would work out, how a fire started by looking at the marks or, or it, it was so interesting. Yeah, because I think yeah, she's she's really into
0: fire in a you know in an yeah. academic way, but she's an enthusiast for the yeah. whole phenomenon and the science of it. She's like a wee bit too
3: excited. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love that. And just to come to you, Juliet, and um, this is as I say, as as I said earlier on, we expect this extraordinary level of of brilliant writing production values and all the rest of it tell us a little bit about the filming because we, as Val was whispering to me and I didn't need her to say it to me Dundee's never looked as good on the screen and it is sensational and, but not all the filming done in Dundee
4: no it wasn't uh, unfortunately Dundee did look incredible when we arrived it, we had the best time the absolute best time and the sun shone for us every day except one morning um, which I'll see later in the series it, it totally worked for that Scene as well. Um, we <sighs> all all of the interiors were done in Manchester. Um, it, there was a, an enormous number of locations, enormous number, and we were looking for something very particular, which was one uh, area, one group of areas that could work f- and for. Sefer for the labs, for the police station, and give us a huge amount of flexibility within our schedule because we didn't have a lot of time and we had a lot to do and we wanted to make it amazing. So we looked all around the northwest to find an area where tracers could base uh, and do all of our interiors, which we found um, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, we shot in Bolton, a lot in <laughs> Bolton. <laughs> because it's just about to have a £1.6 billion refit, the town. So they were giving us uh, incredible locations um, that we could knock about, get construction teams in and completely knock about and make ours. And then we could just get up and walk away from them at the end. So uh, those were our interiors. Then we came to Dundee and had the most amazing time and showed it off and, you know, we have just seen Dundee in succession as well
0: uh, with the old V&A, uh, or the new V&A if you know what I mean. But how are you feeling genuinely Val, you know, seeing Dundee on screen in this way? Is it quite emotional for you?
1: Yeah, I think I think so, I mean it's, it's um I, was, there's, I don't think there's been a drama shot uh, in, in Scotland outside Glasgow and Edinburgh since the 1980s and I think it's important to try and uh, give different aspects of, of Scotland and you know, Dundee has had a lot of, uh, a lot of kicks and a lot of difficulties over the years, but the way it's kind of been reinventing itself in the last few years, that deserves to be showcased yeah. and uh, those, those great helicopter shots, you know, the silvery tea and the law and everything it really makes Dundee look glamorous which is oh, quite yeah. surprising I, to I many to of us I apologise
2: for calling it Law Hill I know it's the law, I know it's the law but it had to be Law Hill because <sighs> to sort of explain to ex- yeah. to, I know it's depressing but, and then to have a hill called the law in a show that's got quite a big legal story yeah. as well. <laughs> and I wanted to say as well that because um, the scientists couldn't speculate, D.I. McKinnon can. So so you've got a, um, a police officer who is able to, wither. well, firstly, he can be explained things or he can find out about things, we're with him. And also he can do all the, um, you know, the, the speculation and the guessing that uh, that um, Sarah Goldman yeah, has, i
0: yeah. so. said, And he's such Sarah. an appealing character, Neil, isn't he? Is, is, I, I mean, part of the reason, Michael, that I keep uh, binge-watching uh, is to see more about your character, actually, because I'm intrigued oh, by him, because, it, I, and it, no spoilers, but obviously in the first episode, there's there's something, you two are very, you, you like each other a lot, but I love that, because there's nothing's
3: explained yet, so that's very interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I think he's happy. <clears throat> for somebody who's a time-served policeman, you know, and he's very set in his ways. I think it's, uh, he's very, uh, you know, his procedure is very normal, so it can be laborious and slow very methodical. It's kind of old-school style policing, you know, there's no sliding over bonnets or none of that stuff. But, um, but I think that, uh, you know, he also has a, you know, he's... I think he's quite insecure kind of a guy as well, you know. So there's not a, there's not a tough edge to him. He's a nice guy. There's, he empathises with them, um, with the families of victims. I think it's a very important part of his, his nature that yeah. he uh, that he he's a kind man, you know. He wants he wants to find, uh, you know, he wants to solve the, solve the crime, whether it be present or historical. Um,
0: and it's actually nice to see that in later scenes where he is so painstaking again. There's that kind of parallel between the scientists. And the police there, your character, Amelia. he's so painstaking and patient. And it's like those years of experience are coming through when he's interviewing somebody, he's not missing a trick mm-hmm. at any no, point.
3: No, it's a classic sort of, I mean, I think it's amazing the way that, you know, I mean, they, they both caught that, I mean' caught it brilliantly because there's no shortcuts, you know, it has to take the amount of time it takes. You have to follow the correct uh, path, the, cl- the correct uh, procedure, you know. And of course, it works completely in tandem with what's happening in the... Um, in the the lab because the meticulous nature just you know to kind of follow from what Val was saying of what these ladies do there is uh, you know the tiniest tiniest trace or or a clue can completely alter the course of an investigation you know it can really you know it can speed up the the process of solving a crime or finding a murderer or whether or or, whether it's accidental or whatever you know but it can really help and I think you know uh so it's kind of like a kind of two-pronged kind of attack, you know? Yeah. Oh, the East Coast accent.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> to go, to say, that's been a oh, no. <laughs> Exactly.
0: Mind, do you mind passing the mic to Juliet? Because yep. I just want... Can you give us an insight into the Mighty Red and the, and the approach to, to this? Because <laughs> here we are with a fantastic script. The casting's wonderful, and it's great to spot some really talented Scots that have not seen so much on screen, who are absolutely ace. Um, but I just... I, I, it's that sort of authenticity about all of the characters, truly, and especially the central character. And I was talking about the female relationships. Can you, can you just give us a little insight into how, you, how, how this all comes together to present this on-screen? Because so many other people get it badly wrong.
4: Yeah, you want Nicola yeah, <laughs> to, to talk about that, who, who um, has such a great belief in people, character, story, not sensationalising stuff being very real, being very honest, finding its integrity, um, uh, which she does with all of us as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, it's a very special place and they tell very special stories. And it must be a
0: special place for you, Amelia. It
2: it is, yeah. I've worked with them uh, a few times now and I I do, especially after this, which has been a really intense, uh, and extraordinary year, I do feel... um, yeah, very, very connected there. I was going to say about Andy Pryor, the casting director, yeah. because he really helped us find great people. And there's, you know, there was a lot of discussion. You see a lot of tapes, and you see people taping for parts. And sometimes you don't agree, and sometimes gloriously you do. But we met. In fact, the two ideas, Martin and uh, Molly. They were ideas that came from UKTV, I think, from maybe from Philippa. And so that's... Um, but we met Molly. Molly wanted to meet us and find out what the story was because there were only three scripts at that time. In May, when people were offered this job, they only could see half the scripts. So Molly came in and said, well, what happens next? So we talked to Molly and then Molly uh, just really, really got in... thought herself into Emma. And everybody, you just get a collection of people who, um, <laughs> behind the camera and in front of the camera, who are, I don't know how you'd say it, um, like-minded in some way, like, <laughs> up, up for it, what do you say, they Yeah,
4: we're brilliant. Yeah. I, just, I, I think, I think, um, everybody loved it and everybody believed in, in what we were trying to do and, um, uh, there were no egos. We all jumped in and we had a lot of fun and did a lot of hard work and,
2: and loved it. And big design challenges because every time there's a bit of science on paper, yeah. it's got to translate for example that toaster the burnt out toaster when I went to Dundee I met Neve, and she told me about what could happen with the toaster and about the kaolin that delays the burning of a barcode and everything and she burnt a toaster for me and some other people and she explained toasters <laughs> and I had diagrams I had pages full of diagrams of bimetallic strips and everything and then I wrote it, I didn't write it quite right, then Anna Higginson, the designer, has to make it, has to make it look like, Yeah. Um, and I didn't get it right, and then Neve came to London with another toaster, and I met her in a hotel room, and she dismantled the toaster in a hotel room, and that time I filmed it, and rewrote it, and in the end, um, Juliet presented Neve with the prop toaster in a prospect box, Souvenir. Like amazing. <laughs> I love that. Just, yeah.
1: just wait till you get onto the explosionism <laughs> yeah. and takes you up to the lab and starts blowing things up. that's, that's great <laughs> <laughs> the
0: wee details too that I've seen for the second time about the crisps and the oil. Who would have thought about that I and know. the plastic? I know, oh, I think everyone says everything in my house I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, what are we
2: doing, <laughs> what? what are we doing? Like, yeah. well, that's funny because I got a phone call from the set one morning saying they're in Secrets, they're doing the burnt out, you know, they're doing the big burning scene, and Laura says, does she have to say, oil? Plastic and crisps again. she just said crisps. Could she say, you know, you'd think, could she not say crisps twice in three seconds? And I said to Niamh, um could Professor uh, Sarah Gordon not say crisps twice? And she says, she has to say crisps twice. That's what's flammable. Crisps and plastic and oil. So things like that, you think, you just... <laughs> Do you remember that day? So Paul so poor Laura had to go back in and just... Do yeah. Plus people, don't
1: people don't believe this. People believe that ba- that a, a, a you know a multi pack of crisps yeah. could be a major fire starter. Yeah. So you have to say it twice. So the home uh, people yeah. at home are going like, what? Crisps? Yeah. yeah. No, the works.
0: And what's the other thing? Flashover, right Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: And the, the other one I love is um, when she picks up the toast and says, no thermal insult. Yes.
0: Yeah. Really cool. Somebody gave me, uh, this is so pathetic, but somebody gave me, uh, is obsessed with her electric blanket she got a new mattress. I'll stop the story there. And she can't use the, the electric blanket because she's got her mattress and she's really pissed off about it and I've never had an electric blanket. So she gave it to me because it was a cold snap. So I've now got the electric blanket, all of which is to say that last night I was switching everything off <laughs> I'm unplugging it. Seriously. Um, and, and Juliet's not doing as well. I yeah? Say. You are exactly the same. Are we able to do questions from the audience? If we've got a spare mic, we do. So if yeah, you please pause. wave your hand around and uh, yeah, we can just We're give really you our
4: mics. Uh, if you want to wave, I'm sure you have. Look at the talent. Have you got it? there, uh, thank you very much all of you for being here. It was uh, fascinating and I really want to know who done it. Oh. <laughs> so um, my first question would be, when and where can we see the rest of it? And the second one is about um, the writing probably goes out to Val, what would you say is so compelling about mysteries that are set in the past? Because there is the the past murder that has happened and the murders that that are set in the present. Why are there these two dimensions and what makes them so fascinating for us as viewers?
1: I think um, to answer the last bit first, um, what makes the fascination with cold cases is because of the way that forensic science has developed over the last 25-30 years there's a lot of um, cases where they couldn't be solved at the time they couldn't be resolved at the time because we just didn't have the methodology Uh, but now things have changed and it's possible to come at them again from a different angle and i think we're all fascinated by uh, finding the answers and so those old cases Uh, have that particular compulsion because people tried to find them out at the time and and failed. Um, And so you have that sense of revisiting something and finally getting an answer.
2: And the the fact that uh, people change, that in that, Mm. in that time, in the time that's elapsed, the relationships are different, the people are different, so you can revisit the same people a number of years later, but they're not quite the same people, or they don't have the same allegiances, so it's very rich.
1: Um, emotionally as well as forensically. Yeah and it starts on the UK Alibi channel on December the ninth. Yeah, it's a so Monday Tuesday. Tuesday. It's a Monday. Yeah how
0: yeah. 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 many episodes Six. Six. Six episodes. Over mm-hmm. Monday, Monday
1: Tuesdays. Tuesday. Monday, Monday Tuesday, Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Monday, Monday. Tuesday.
0: Tuesday. Thank you. It so finishes on Thank Christmas Eve. Eve. <laughs> ah exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, great question. Is anyone else waving? Yes, can you pass the mic along, further along the middle, thank you. You look like the guy that was talking
4: about the jumper, you're not him are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. i got a Yeah, you okay. <laughs> um, I was struck by the, the sort of briefing scenes of the police, how kind of naturalistic they were in a drama, uh, there's a lot of space to Crank up the drama. Um, was that a discussion with the director before going in about making it really naturalistic? And kind of, was it was. could almost like you could have shot it kind of documentary
3: style. Um, I thought it was. It was. It was so kind of believable. Well, I. Th- I you know, when you kind of, when you when you serve a diet of uh, of procedural kind of pro, you know, police procedural kind of dramas. It's all very fast and very glitzy and it kind of happens you know before you know it. You know, and actually the reality is I don't think it happens like that because you have to, you have to lay down the facts. And of course, you know, the audience have need time to absorb it, you know. So I, I think it has to be done in a very naturalistic kind of way, if you can, you know. However, it's a little bit difficult when you're kind of trying to stick things on a board and remember words like, you know, the uh, forensic anthropologist is arriving, you know, while we're putting on black. You know, I find that quite a bit quite tricky you know it's like kind of know, your tummy right yeah, here but um but no so it has to be uh, it has to be um you know yeah, yeah the, the audience have to understand what's happening you know and so you have to go right this we have that it's bit, i mean it's kind of like it almost it's kind of slow it was very slow mm-hmm. and almost kind of ponderous in its fashion when we were doing it but actually when it's cut it has to be like that you know I think you have to understand the geography of a building and who's in there explaining who's what, you know, because otherwise you're going to go, what, what did he say? What was that? You know, so um, if you can't over dramatise it, you just have to, you know. I always feel like an idiot watching those things, I
0: cannot keep up, so it's wonderful to know deaf, I'm quite bright, I can <laughs> understand what's going on
3: here.
2: I, I'm really glad you asked the question because there were concerns about it about the length of that scene and will people stay with it? And there were big discussions. In Scott and Bailey, uh, we often had scenes set in the briefing room and they were long and we went for it and everybody was comfortable with it. But uh, there were worries that that briefing scene was too long and that people might switch off. But it's a tricky one because you have to hold your nerve and say, um, stick with it. It's uh, lean in. It is interesting. It isn't pyrotechnic, but it might not be interesting for everybody. But I hope it's interesting for enough people. But you're absolutely right that that was a worry along the way. Is this scene too long? Might we lose people? Is it boring? You know, that's the
1: the, the greatest fear is that you might bore. We, have, we have to because because at the heart of this was the idea of authenticity and authentic as far as you can be authentic re- representation of procedure in both the scientific and and the the police that we had to strike that balance between being authentic and and maintaining a sense of the dramatic and that was i mean that was that was a big ask for you well if you keep
2: the relationships alive so you know just don't ever don't have something sciencey that hasn't got they've all got to be threaded together at all times so you can't bolt on the science and you can't bolt on the policing those relationships and what people are up to and what people want has to run through all of them. So even quite late on, that little bit of banter between McKinville and Sarah was added to the toaster thing. It just needed a bit of life. And Philippa at Alibi UK TV uh, would, would say, can we just keep keep a bit of, can we put a bit more sparkle in the briefing, whether it's just uh, a comment that isn't technically about the job, just something to, to keep it sparkling and alive. Yeah. That's fascinating. Thank you. Would
5: you mind passing the mic along to this gentleman? You just don't want to ask a question? Oh, thank you. Let you do the pass the parcel. Thank you. Thanks. Um, that, uh, that, that was great. No, no I mean, um, just, just connecting to, um, to this question, because for me, I just thought the pacing was was usually very, very fast, yeah? uh, especially the editing. I just thought it never lingered in any, any scene longer than really necessary, especially when I think of the club scene or something like this. Was Bang introduced the moment and Meg, she was, she was out there again. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I just thought the other way around That mm-hmm. I actually thought that it was extremely tightly edited and I, and I, and I was asking if this was deliberately already thought sort from the start basically doing that was from the writing to now there's everything shaved off really very tightly. And, and actually the, the scene really you were talking about all of the crime room, I just thought, I just binge on a noir Scandin- a Scandin- a Scandin- a Scandin- a Scandin- And I just thought that was the only pacing which was normal. (laughs) And then the rest was really fast. So I just had a totally different different perspective on that. Comment, comment? Uh, The,
2: the, well, they all were too long. So when they were shot, they were too long. And um, the editing is, uh, just keeps you, um, it keeps the story just ahead of you, hopefully. So you, hopefully, it gives, I mean, I was really, it was a wonder to me watching the edit, because I'd never seen that before. So to see how it shaped up from something that was long and a bit baggy in it, you would just watch the cuts, you would get everybody's feedback, and you would watch this thing, you know, get cheekbones and get a sprint on. Or, and then you, sometimes it would go too fast and the edge was taken off something. So I think it was very much a production-red direction, directing and editing thing because the scripts were um, probably m- less snappy than it cuts together. But I think that's a very, very good thing, that it's got that snap on top of Nerdiness plus snap, I think it's probably uh, useful for it, yeah.
4: And a bit of pace, uh, because it, it is an hour, for 44 uh, plus it's break, so, so to give it a bit of pace and um, to, to engage, really, that's all we want. You
5: liked it, didn't you? You liked it. <laughs> I, like it. I like
0: it. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to have to leave it there, sadly, because, it, do we have time? I know that it's, uh, it's now, uh, it's just nine minutes past. One more. One more question. There was a flurry of hands up there, so put your hand up again. There's one more question, thank you.
5: I, uh, I was just wanting to ask, how long did it take from basically the initial idea uh, through to production? Like, how long was the time process in that?
2: got two phases, uh, it, it Val met Red in 2014, they got me on board in 2015, another channel, not UK TV, commissioned it, it didn't work out, and then there was a gap, and we took episode one, and a rough storyline to UK TV, and thank God, Philippa said yes, um, we took it to them in May 2018 and uh, UK TV greenlit it on December the 13th, 2018, and it'll go out December the 9th, 2019. So when they commissioned it, they uh, actually, by then I had written them a second episode. So there were, so it was fast, very, very slow, very, very fast. (laughs)
0: Fantastic. That's a great question to to end with, actually, to get that insight into the process, having talked in more detail earlier on. Uh, The cinema has to be used again for the screening of a film. How bizarre. Um, (laughs) But please, uh, a huge thanks to Juliet, Michael, Laura, Amelia, and the great Val McDermott. Thank you all very much for